Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and this is episode 67. I am really excited to welcome my guest today. It's actually not a mom. This is the second man that I have had on the podcast, and it is my husband. I'm really happy to welcome my husband, Tim, to the podcast today. So welcome, Tim. Ah, I couldn't be more excited to be here. (laughs) Actually, the podcast would not exist without him. He has been my biggest supporter. Um, I still remember the the night that I finally told him I was going to start a podcast and I was sure that he was just going to tell me that I was too busy and maybe I shouldn't do it. And so I said, I, honey, I think I'm going to start a podcast. And he was just like, okay, I think you should. (laughs) And does never bat an eye at all my crazy ideas. So I'm really grateful to always have his support. And I wanted to have him come on today because I've had this idea for a while to talk about how we have navigated our spiritual differences in marriage. And when I say spiritual differences, we both have firm testimonies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We both go to church. So we have the same goals, but the way that we get there spiritually sometimes is a lot different. And so I thought I would bring him on to talk about that. So we're glad that you're here today, Tim. So happy to be here. <laughs> okay. And he's if, if he can be serious for 30 minutes, he's shaking his head. No, he can't. He's actually a really fun guy and um, keeps life really fun. So anyway, I'm excited to welcome him. So... I thought I would start off kind of telling you a little bit about um, where we're going to go with the podcast with a story that happened to me when when I first started dating Tim. So this week we're celebrating our 22nd anniversary. So we've been married for 22 years. So about 23 years ago, I started dating Tim and I thought he was super fun and outgoing and um, I really loved hanging out with him. And shortly after we started dating, we lived in Provo. We met in a singles ward in Provo. He sold me a car. That's a whole nother story, but we now own a car dealership, so it's kind of funny. Um, But we were dating, and there was a CES fireside that was going on one Sunday night at the Marriott Center. And I always went to all the firesides. I was super excited. And I think, if I'm recollecting this correctly, it was actually... President Hinckley coming to speak, and he was the prophet at the time. And so my roommates and his roommates, we were all making plans to go together, and I was really shocked when Tim said, oh, I think I'm going to skip the fireside. I'll stay back, and I'll make some homemade ice cream, and then everybody can come back here after. And he just really didn't care that much about going to the fireside, which really is, looking back, not a huge deal. But at that time, I was like... I don't know if I can date this guy. I don't know if he's spiritual enough or whatever. So we went to the fireside, his roommates, my roommates, Tim stayed back and made ice cream. We came back to his apartment. I remember the ice cream was really good. He is a very good homemade ice cream maker. And I was kind of bugged by it. Like I didn't know if I could keep dating him, which to now sounds kind of ridiculous, right? (laughs) Very ridiculous. (laughs) And so I actually prayed about it and and I just said, Heavenly Father, I don't know if I can date him. Is this right? Because I had felt like it was really right from the very beginning of dating him. And I kind of got a rebuke from the Lord that day. 
and basically just got the answer that I didn't view Tim the way that God views him, and he knew what was in his heart, and that it was okay if he didn't view spiritual things the same way that I did. So really, we started out kind of seeing things a little different spiritually. Tim, what would you add to that story? Do you remember that? Vaguely. But, you know, somebody had to hold the fort down. It's like when the saints went west, I'd be the guy standing back saying, you guys go ahead and I'll make sure everything's fine here and and (laughs) call me when the train's done. I'll come out. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's not a camper either. He He would not have been sleeping on the ground as a pioneer. Yeah. So that was kind of how we started out navigating things. What do you think are some of the differences, you know, looking back over knowing me for 23 years? What are some of the difference that differences that you think we have spiritually? You are way more intense spiritually. <laughs> way more intense. I'm I'm a lot more laid back and I don't know that that's a that's a bad thing, but I don't know that it is I, I think it's just different. I think it's how we how we view things is is different and and there's no doubt that you are way more uh spiritually intense if you will than I am. Yeah, I would say that's definitely true. And something that we've had to navigate because there's been times when I'm like thinking that something that we're doing in our family should be one way and he's thinking that it should be another way. And, you know, we have to come together and and figure it out. And he's taught me a lot about not being so intense and maybe loosening up sometimes. And hopefully I've taught him something. Uh, yes, a lot of things. There is, there is, there is definitely times when um, I need to tone it back a little bit, maybe take something a little more serious. Um, I, I always like to find humor in in everything that I do. I think that just makes life fun. But sometimes there are things where you, where you just, where you, there's teaching moments we have with our kids that definitely um, call for a more reverence than a more fun teaching moment, if you will. I, I don't know how to explain that. Yeah, that, that's probably where we have differed the most. Like my approach to what family home meetings should look like and Tim's approach to what family home meetings should look like have been two different things. And I've had to learn to just relax and like let him sing his silly songs and propose that instead of family home evening, we have wrestling <laughs> With everybody. Feats of strength. Feats of strength, yes. That, that's a frequent family home meeting thing. So just to give like one small example of, of the differences that we've had is Tim is known in our ward for whenever he teaches a class, he brings participation cookies. And he, okay, not only does he make really good ice cream, but he is the best cookie maker as well. Um, I have hardly any skills in the kitchen and he takes over all of that. So whenever he teaches a lesson, which is frequently in our ward, he brings what he calls participation cookies, these really good chocolate chip cookies. And I cringe a lot of the time when he's bringing participation cookies, because I feel like you should focus on preparing your lesson and helping people feel the spirit. But um, it's just, it's just his way of doing it. And I, I, I don't cringe as much as I used to, because I feel like um, that's how he reaches people. What do you What do you think about that? Goes along with what our differences are. People feel the spirit, and people participate, if you will, in different ways. And and sometimes, for me, I am definitely externally motivated. Um, I I do things a lot of times because of external motivations. If I do this, I'll get this. 
And I, I feel like sometimes, it's not sometimes, all the time, participation cookies bring that out. I think offering something, offering something to somebody for a comment who would otherwise not comment, I think helps that person and it helps the class in general to get a different viewpoint on something that, that somebody might not have said otherwise. There's times when, when I would sit silent in the back. I may have something to say, but I will sit silent in the back of the class. But if somebody offered me something in exchange for my comment, I might comment more. Yeah, just two different approaches. And like I said, I've learned to relax about it and not worry so much. But it's really not my style to bring cookies to a lesson. No. <laughs> Everyone knows that, right? About me. I think that one of the differences that we've navigated just is in how we feel the spirit differently and how we react to it. I think it, I think it's really a great story about how you knew you were supposed to marry me. So tell, tell me about that. Uh, it, it is a fun story. And FYI for your listeners, I think you need to email her after this episode and ask for the outtake reel because there's some pretty funny stuff that's going to be cut out of this. <laughs> yes, there is. But um, anyway, so so we were dating, living in, in Provo, Utah. She was going to the BYU. I, I was not. I had dropped out of school at this point. <laughs> and um, I was uh, uh, working, selling cars, and we were dating. We, we had go to the temple every now and again together. We went, and, and I knew that we had been dating for, for quite some time. And... Um, in quite some time, I meet about three or four months, and in Provo terms, that's quite some time. Um, usually, it's two to three weeks. We went to the temple. We were, we were, I believe, the witness couple. I remember I did. I, I went with a prayer in my heart to, to know if, if the, she was the one I was supposed to marry, and without a doubt, I, I, I just knew. I had, I had the feeling. I just knew that, that she was the one that, that um, she was one for me, and then. We, we, uh, we had, I, I think it was probably a, a few weeks or so before I actually proposed to her that I, that I knew that. And we had planned a trip to, to come down to, to uh, Arizona to go to San Diego on the 4th of July with my family. We flew down. Uh, my parents had left a car for us at, at the airport. We, I, I, it was later at night, because um, it was summertime and it was dark out, so it had to be 8 or 9 o'clock at night, and uh, jumped in the car, drove over to the Mesa Temple. I think Darla knew we were going, because I don't think she'd be down. She'd been down to my parents' house before that point. I proposed to her in the temple parking lot. Uh, it was very romantic. I said, hey, you want to get married? She said, sure. And uh, before we could drive off, there was a um, homeless man knocking on our window asking for five dollars for gas for a car that he didn't have and we went back to my house my parents house my family came over we all celebrated and then I believe it was the next day and uh, we drove over to San Diego and and I had come down deathly ill to the point where it was my parents had gotten me my own hotel room because for fear of, uh, of getting everybody else sick I don't know what I had and so here was Darla hanging out with my family for I think a couple of days. I was in the hotel room not doing well at all, and um, so subsequently didn't, didn't speak to her a whole lot, I don't think, if any, on that trip. We drove home. The, uh, we were in the car by ourselves driving back to, to San Diego. Um, I think the conversation maybe was two or three sentences the whole six-hour trip. 
And then we um, went back to Provo. And I think in a two to three week period, we maybe had two or three small conversations in that time period. Um, I was still sick. I got super nervous, was wondering what I just committed to. Uh, it wasn't until um, we went to her sister's wedding which was about three weeks after we got home down to Manti that uh, it just kind of clicked. It just, I, I thought this is going to be okay. This is, this is what the Lord has in store for me and, and, and I couldn't be happier. But you were, you had three weeks, like really three weeks that you didn't even talk to me. So like what was going through your head? Cause you had the spiritual confirmation, like you knew you were doing the right thing. And then you kind of flipped out a little bit. For a while. I, I, I was wondering what, after being single for 24 years of my life, what I had just committed to. <laughs> and uh, I think, I think what's, what's, what's even more interesting than, than the fact that I didn't talk to her for almost two to three weeks is when she told the story in soccer meeting, the, um, the amount of guys that came up to me afterwards and said, I felt the exact same way. <laughs> Which was which was which was uh, very interesting to me that there's a lot of men out there who uh, commit to get married and go, what in the world did I just do? Yeah, I mean, and even though you know it's right, sometimes, and you've had that spiritual confirmation, getting over that hurdle of like, oh, my life's about to change, and can I really do this? And I'm really glad you changed your mind because I was like, I knew it was right. I wasn't doubting. But I was just like, why is he not talking to me? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're like, yeah, we're getting married, but he's not speaking to me right now. Yeah, it was rough. That was kind of how we started out. So it started out with me like wondering, is he going to be spiritual enough? Is this the right thing for me? And then he receives the confirmation that we should get married, but then he kind of flips out about it. But I'm happy to say that 22 years ago, when we finally did go to the temple and we got married, like, I think we were both really calm. Has, has it been 20? It seems like two years. <laughs> It has been 22 years, honey, for sure. And so that, yeah, that just kind of started um, everything for us and trying to just navigate and learn how to work together and, and do things. And we've talked a lot recently and kind of preparing for, the, for sharing this episode just about how we have navigated it and how we've kept our marriage strong, even though we are really different, not only spiritually, but in other ways, just kind of... S- some of the good things that have come from that, that we are different, that we're not exactly the same. Like I think my young, I was 25, I guess my 25 year old self was like, Oh, we have to be exactly alike. And now I can look back and say, I'm really glad that we're not exactly alike. So Tim, what do you think some of the benefits have been that we spiritually have been different and don't feel things the same way? I think one thing is, is, as we've had kids, one thing that I've learned is our kids are all incredibly different. And I think that having two different points of view on spirituality is helpful, not only, I think, in your relationship, but it also helps your kids navigate what they're going through. I think sometimes kids feel like if there is only one way to do things, they may, ha- they may have a different way, they may feel differently about something, and that it's okay to to maybe go down this path. The path, the path that Darla and I share, I, I, I'm hoping both lead to the same place. <laughs> yes. <laughs> mine, mine may not sometimes, but I'm hoping they both lead to the same place. But I think that's part of the adventure sometimes is, is I think it's, it's good for, 
for kids to see that. I think it's good for for kids to see that that um, there is two different ways to do something. Sometimes um, the end result is is hopefully the same, but there's two different ways to do stuff. Yeah, I think I think going back to what you said about our kids being really different. I mean, I can look at our kids, and um, they're old enough. They're twelve to twenty, so I can see how they are, they are different and they fill the spirit differently and they react to things differently. And I think it's good that they have two different perspectives to look at. I hope that we've taught them to learn to navigate their own way and to figure out, you know, how they feel the spirit and, you know, that they do feel the spirit and identifying it for them and, and just going on down the road. I think it's been a huge benefit to them. I agree hundred percent. So this hasn't really been our struggle, but we know a lot of people who have struggled in their marriage with sp- spiritual things, maybe one believing, one not believing, you know, one wanting to pull away from the church, one not, that, you know, that's a whole nother ballgame, a whole nother thing to navigate. But, you know, having watched people go through that, Tim, what do you think is something that could help people that are, that are trying to navigate much bigger things spiritually? I think one thing that is is very important, and I think you've showed this to me a lot of a lot of times, is is you just have to love them. You can't hold something over their head. The love can't be conditional on something. Love can't be conditional that that uh, I'm only going to love you if you attend the temple once a week with me, or um, whatever it may be. But you have to love them. No, you have to love the person. You have to separate the two things out. Um, you know, there's I I think there's. There was a time in our relationship you used to get really upset with me that I would not go to the temple with you every week. And um, I, I, I feel the temple is very, very important. Don't get me wrong on that. But, but there's a season to do things, and, and, um, and I think we each have our own views and opinions on that and on how often to go. And that's, that's a, I think, a very personal decision for everybody. One thing you never did was stop loving me because of that. And, and whether or not uh, your spouse attends church every Sunday with you or not, or whether or not they, they do everything, you know, perfect in the church or, or whatever it may be. I think you have to just love that person for who they are um, and, and love them and, and separate those two things out, which can be very, very difficult sometimes. As I've seen through uh, my various callings in the church, that's the only way you can you can invite and be Christ-like is to just love them. Yeah, very true. And that's something I've had other episodes where um, we've talked about navigating the differences. If you know, if you have not just a spouse, but a child or other loved ones who, you know, no longer believe in the church or, or struggling or separating themselves, that really the answer is love and being Christ-like. And that applies in any relationship you know, even, even when, you know, for us, we're both going to church every week and we both are on the same path trying to get to the same place, you know, uh, we want to have an eternal family and, and be together forever. You know, there, it takes a, a credible amount of love. And I, I just, I think that's what we have learned and we haven't been perfect at it. And, you know, there's been times when I've been frustrated and there's times that you've been frustrated with me. Never, never. <laughs> Yeah, that's not true. But I I really think that that is what it boils down to is love and remembering that, you know, we want our ultimate goal is to be like the Savior and to be Christ-like. And another thing that we've talked a lot about in the last year is 
you know, it's really not about me and it's not about you, but it's about our relationship and what is going to be the best thing for our relationship. Thinking about that and navigating it, I would never pretend that I have, you know, that you and I together, we have any answers, but hopefully the perspective of just, of just showing love is, is something that um, is helpful. And ultimately in a lot of situations, the only thing that we can do is to love because everyone has agency. We can't change them. Can't change our spouse. Can't. Well, you can. No, you can't. <laughs> I am here to tell you, you cannot change your spouse. Um, so hopefully you've enjoyed this little chat that we've had. And um, I am incredibly grateful for Tim, for his support of me. In fact, there's very little that he ever doubts me on. He goes along with all my ideas and really has supported me when I have said I felt prompted to do something. He has always 100% been behind me, even when he hasn't always understood it or felt it the same way. He has been very supportive of me, and I'm really grateful for that. So, Tim, I'm going to end with one final question, and it's the question I ask everyone. I'm just going to tweak it a little bit for you. How have you seen and felt God as your partner in fatherhood? Um, That is a great question, Darla. Um, but I don't know if I can I can give one instance of how I how I felt God as my partner in fatherhood. I don't know how I could be a father without God as my partner to try to navigate this world which we live in today. To try to navigate, try to teach the kids right from wrong. You know, the world has made so many gray areas, and there there's there's in my opinion there's no way that that I could successfully navigate and try to raise good, caring, God-fearing kids without God as is my partner. So, yeah, I see it every day. I see it every day in every choice that I make. Um, in the mornings when we do come follow me and, and uh, um, everything else that, that we do as a family to help us grow closer to, to Christ, I don't think I can pick up one thing. It's just I don't, I don't know that I could do it without God as my partner. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well. I don't know if it was frequent, but I think it was more her dragging me to the temple more than anything else. Let's be honest. And um, okay, wait, back up. I didn't drag you to the temple because there, there's a lot of things you'll do for a hot girl. Um, <laughs> and uh, and that's one of them. And so uh, be editing that out. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I'm gonna ask one more question. Now I have to stay up and edit all this. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so funny. Okay. <clears throat>